Welcome to the Christine Means Business Podcast. My name is Christine Hansen and I'm a business consultant helping entrepreneurs to scale their business without working more through wonderful team management, leadership and strategy. Together with fellow experts or my own, this podcast is designed to share the most actionable tips, pieces of wisdom and anecdotes that will help you to avoid any mistakes that will cost you time or money to grow your business. It is my absolute joy to share that knowledge with you to help you for your ultimate success. You will get a new episode every two weeks and there's loads of free materials on my website christinemeansbusiness.com. So go ahead and check that out and I'm looking forward to hear your feedback and please don't forget to give us a couple of stars if you enjoy what you've been hearing on your podcasting platforms. And without further ado, let's start the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this wonderful new show. I'm so excited to have you with me. As always, I am going to bless you with not just one phenomenal brain, but two today, because I have another wonderful guest with me. And today, it's the exciting David Strasser, and I have been to his show as well. So please, please, if you haven't done so yet, go over to his Shark Bite Biz podcast and check out all the episodes because they're amazing. But obviously, look for mine. Anyway, who is David? So he is the host of the Smash Hit Small Business Growth Podcast, Shark Bite Biz. He's also a member of the Forbes Biz Development Council, a Harvard Business Review Advisory Council member. So I'll be tight with him. Him, believe me. And he's also a general manager of the Northeast region for Vision 33, CEO of his media company, Dead Brands LLC, and a notary public. Just small things to brag about. Now, yeah, most importantly, yeah. <laughs> most importantly for you guys, though, why did I invite him on the show? Well, having worked in tech for most of his professional life, David has focused on helping companies drive profit with the right technology and I could talk about this all day long but we have half an hour and I will grill him believe me I want him to dish it all for you guys he is a master at sales always a good thing marketing and business development and he uses those skills to help guide customers in the small business arena to find the right technological solution these experiences and creating business growth in the warring 20s stands as the foundation for his business podcast the shark bite biz so david welcome oh awesome thank you so much for having me you know you forgot one one big uh one big thing in the introduction you forgot about the book that i wrote uh called uh we mean business right here <laughs> and oh that i seem oh, familiar oh, this oh, oh oh this is your book i'm <laughs> sorry i'm sorry Taking credit for your work Ooh. once again, Christine. Smooth, smooth. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on. I love when I get to collaborate with other like-minded individuals that have mm. a show that's, you know, it's it's similar, but it's different than mine. We cover different topics. We have different personalities, but it allows me to get outside my bubble to see what other creators and bright-minded people like yourself are doing to spread the word of small business growth. Exactly. And what I love about it is because we both interview so many different people 
it helps us to learn so many things. And you've been doing this for a while. So I cannot wait to get your wisdom here because ultimately this is really about someone who's listening to this podcast should be able to just have a pen ready and write down all this good stuff, you know, because there's always something to learn. Now for you, you have a topic that I'm very passionate about that I like, but I know a lot of business owners or organizations, they start out because they have a purpose or because they have to, or because they have an idea, but not necessarily because they are so excited to implement it. And tell me how you started to focus on technological solutions for these small businesses was it rather because you saw they struggle i like technical technological solutions or was it i like these solutions and actually small businesses seem to be the one who need the most what happened i guess it's a little bit of happenstance it really go okay so technically i i view myself as a zennial but technically if you ask my boss <laughs> there are no zennials i'm a millennial i'm an old millennial as he says it me too and, i'm just just like i don't identify but, as a millennial but i am just about a millennial yeah that's where that's where you would probably be considered a zennial because of the fact that you know we grew up uh analog uh you know half analog and then yes. somewhere in the 90s converted to digital and blah 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 but the big difference is the great recession at least here in the state side that happened 2000 what seven eight nine ten mm -hmm. eleven twelve you know i was still feeling the ramifications of the recession out here and you know by then people in my age i mean we were out of college we a lot of us had family and kids all that stuff and we really went from making good money and you know money stored in the bank accounts to having nothing overnight and I view that that difference, whereas if you talk to some younger millennials mm -hmm. at that time, they were just getting out of college. You know, yeah. they didn't have families. They didn't go through the strife that we just went through. And I view that that's a generational divide between older millennials and younger millennials. And that's why I'm a big fan of Xennials. But anyways, back to your point is, you know, I love technology. I knew that. Um, and this goes back. I went to college later in life and I only went because after the Great Recession experience, it was no longer valued. Yeah, It's like, oh, oh, you want to sell cell phones? Well, you need a college degree now. I know, it's it's like, like I, I've been doing this for like 10 years. It, it's, it's OK, whatever. So I went I went to college. I went for information science as a technology, but the big difference is, is that like, yeah, I could be a developer, coder, programmer, project manager, you mm -hmm. know, IT manager, all those things. But I actually went because I wanted to be able to sell tech. And I felt having a degree in that will give me a foot up against the competition. Because again, back in 2012, everybody was looking for their job. Every, you know, an employer had a billion candidates to choose from. They could be very picky, polar opposite of what we're experiencing right now in the, in the United States. And the degree in information sciences technology, having that tech background, and then you mix it with, wait, he's 
like, yeah, he might be fresh out of college, but he was working through college and has 15 years doing business development and sales experience. That's really what got me on the path that I am on today. And, you know, why small business? It's because I suck in front of boardrooms. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest. Um, I've, I've never been good with the bureaucratic red tape or if I have to, yes, I can, I can pull off one sales. I'm doing it right now. We're doing, uh, the largest deal I've ever done, which is be about, uh, somewhere between 15 to $25 million when it's all set. It could, could be as high as 30 if they go with everything, everything, uh, for the U S China and London, could be as high as 30,000, uh, 30 million, but, um, I'm, I'm going through that. Pro I, I can do it when I need to, you know, I, yeah. I can, I can, I shine up pretty nice, but <laughs> where I found that my bread and butter is, and again, this is just going through the experiences that I've had in life. You have to find yourself. And I found when I'm in a smaller business, okay. My voice isn't going to be muddied in the water. I yeah. don't have some colleague that's trying to stab me in the back and jump over me. You know, they actually listen to me. They value my experience. They do what I say, because what I say is usually contrary to what normal people would say, but it works because it's creative. It's new. It's outside the box thinking. And in these days, that's what you need to be successful because Look how many ads there are. I mean, there's a million ads out there. You've got to be different and being different, being corny, making people be like, oh, my God, I can't believe he just said that. That's been my key to success. And it works in a small business environment better than it does in a corporate, more buttoned up suit environment. That's how I specialized in that. Wonderful. I think it makes total sense. It's similar to what I'm doing as well, mainly with small businesses, working my way up to bigger businesses as well. Um, but it's also a different, and I'm doing it right now because it's interesting. I'm, I'm currently changing my website because I completely ditched coaching and really am focusing on consulting. And it's designed, it's geared to us, you know, the solopreneurs with their freelancers or organizations, you know, smaller. Why did you do coaching? Did you do it because it was the hot thing to do during COVID? Everybody turned into a coach during COVID oh, or started I was selling sales books. So I started with sleep coaching, right? And I've always been a coach. And I, I think, honestly, I'm very good at coaching. It's something that I enjoy doing. But I also think it's something that I inherently just do well, always have, you know? So, right. but... In order to coach, I think you, I like doing it with people that I like, <laughs> people that yeah. I love, people that I want to truly serve, because you have to create quite That's a bit always of, a bonus. There's always a bonus and it's important when I do it because it's very personal though. And I create mm -hmm. space and I have to be honest right now in this period of life, I don't have the patience. It's very simple. I just don't, I'm in mm -hmm. a a vibe right now where I like to get things done, totally thrive with streamlining SOPs, getting system done, connecting different softwares, getting it all working together. So I was like this, I, you know, because during the pandemic, I got tired, very tired and coaching made me even more tired versus business building. I was like this, I right. get energy from. So it was very easy for me to say, actually, 
there's so many people who love to coach, who are great at coaching, but actually I know mm-hmm. I'm too fast at this point. I'm just, it's not my right, rhythm. Right, right, right. Right. So, I just want to add, I want to, I talk with my hands too. And uh, <laughs> many times during live interviews, I, I smack the microphone as well. So we, we, I'm told that's the Italian in me. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's the Colombian I, I, I in me, I guess. Hands. Yeah. I talk <laughs> yes. with my hands. I whack the microphone all the time. And then it's like, oh crap, oh crap. Steady Oops. out, steady out. Yep, yep, yep. So if you guys uh, didn't see it, head over to YouTube and you can see me whacking my microphone here as I'm talking. I just can't yeah. not talk with my hands. I don't know. It's just something. That goes oh, believe on. me, believe me. They don't have to go to YouTube. They heard it. <laughs> that 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 was a huge thud. Yeah. yeah but, uh, oh, but yeah, I mean, you're talking on the topic of coaching. I mean, I like coaching. However, I only like coaching when I know that they're they're going to buy in and listen to me. So typically, the only people I'm going to coach are going to be my sales reps because mm. I know that they're either going to do what I say or they're not going to be with us for very long. And uh, a great success story would be uh, this young man, Michael. I think he is 28 or maybe he just turned 29 in that range. But he was 28 when he started with us. And he really stank. Now, when I said that he's like he... He was green to our industry. We yeah. do much larger sales cycles. They're bigger deals. He was used to small, small software, but he's also brilliant. He's got an, a degree in accounting. He is not an accountant per se, as far as a CPA would be concerned, but he understands the language, understands the lingo. Like we were just at the New Jersey CPA Expo uh, this past week, um, this past Wednesday and Thursday. And, you know, I like, I'm surprised, like he's there going toe to toe with accountants as far as QuickBooks is better. And he's (laughs) like, Oh no, no, Sage is better because in QuickBooks, you do it this way. We, we do it this way and it's gap compliant. And to hear him do that in person was amazing because a year ago he couldn't do that. Yeah. A year ago, he had no sales. And, you know, it would be funny. Like, we'd be looking at sales club. And I remember during one of our sales meetings, he'd be like, hey, David, how come my name's not on there? Like, did they forget to add me or something? I'm like, well, Michael, you actually have to sell something to get yeah. sales club. <laughs> Bless him. <laughs> and, and, and everybody just burst out laughing. And, you know, it was like zing, you know. <laughs> now... He's our top sales guy globally for Sage Intech. Not for all the business lines because our Sage Intech deals tend to be smaller, okay? Uh, our business one deals, for example, they can go from uh, very small, 25K. Typically, it's going to be a hundred to 300,000 deal, but we do get you know five hundred thousand to million dollar deals on the regular. I'm working on personally, like I told you, that'll be you know mm-hmm. somewhere between fifteen and probably thirty. You know that that's normal. Then we got our by design practice as well, two vision thirty three, which will work with more of the the middle middle market businesses. That's probably going to be 
I mean, maybe 250, 300K would be the starting point, but that would have to be a very, very limited basic system. Mm -hmm. You're realistically looking 500K mm -hmm. on up to get into that environment. So where he's at with Sage Intact, I'm very pleased. It is polar opposite where he was last year with yeah. us, but it's that growth and evolution. And it's because of the coaching that I've given him. He's also worked with another VP of ours that has given him a lot of coaching, um, especially because I was out most of quarter four with some back surgeries. Mm. I couldn't do it. This VP was like, I really like Michael. Yeah. I don't want to fire him. I'm going to step in. I'll take over those duties for you. So he, between both of us tag teaming him, we were able to get him from zero to all-star. Uh, you know, he was a hot seat. He had closed two deals, he closed two deals plus blueprint, which is a, a blueprint is a paid engagement where we go in and we'll study your yeah. business and then we'll give you, Hey, this is our recommendation. Like an audit. All your business processes, right? All right. We'll audit your business. Okay. All your business processes we will diagram it out. And then this is our recommendation of how you would automate yeah. this in Sage Intech. Do you want to go forward? So you got a couple of those signed. Plus, he had some full-blown deals, got out the hot seat, had a huge deal in quarter two. Now Wonderful. it's like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So he's totally turned around, but that was due to, you know, it, it, it's more than me because I can coach, I think, anybody on sales, on business development. It comes down to the individual mm -hmm. and the execution. And this is why I did not, get into coaching or launch a coaching business and I just went straight podcast was mm -hmm. because I felt not enough people would actually execute. Oh, I love what that. I yes, am coaching I them. They, they would not execute. I need people to be executing or else I, I feel like I'm going to be wasting my time. And then I, it's just like, what the, what the heck am I doing? Like, I'm I done. Totally I totally agree. I have like, a, you actually, already quit on me. Stop showing up and going through the motions, actually do it or don't exactly. in or out. You can't, as we like to stay here, uh, you can't be half pregnant. Okay. Yes. You're either full blown pregnant or you're not pregnant. Okay. Exactly. Pick one and let's do it. Exactly. I agree. And I actually added one line on one of my pages and I said, you know, coaching, manifesting, mindset, all of this is great, but ultimately you do need a strategy like the blueprint that you have. And most importantly, you need to execute it because I see a lot of people then get overwhelmed and paralyzed and they don't execute. So they have all these strategies in the drawers. Now, question for you. You obviously work mm -hmm. or one of your genius zone of genius is to guide people for the right technological solutions so as i see it there's two different components to this obviously you need to have an arsenal of technological solutions that you know and secondly it's to find the right fit for the right person tell me a little bit about oh, yeah. how you hone that skill yeah. or if i'm you know if i'm right or wrong tell me a little bit about that process okay so as far as the customer picking a solution, what I tell them during my presentation and my sales reps love when I jump into their presentations, interrupt them and 
just start say rambling weird stuff. But I tell him, hey, look, okay, there are two ingredients for a successful implementation. Okay. As you're going through this sales cycle with us, and honestly, it might not be us. We might say, hey, look, you're not the right fit. There's a lot of times we tell customers, like, yeah, I can sell it to you, but you're gonna hate the software you're and you're gonna hate us. Um, and I don't know why, but people for some reason want to buy what they can't have. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're telling us it's not a fit. That sounds like the perfect exactly solution. Exactly what for I us. want. Yes. I want five of those. Let's do it. Um, but like I, I come out and I tell them, you know, or you might guys may decide that it's not the right fit, and that's perfectly fine because my job as GM is to make sure that you get the right fit because uh, let's be honest here i hate being sued so i've got to make sure you're the right fit for the software and it comes down to two major components okay the first one is the software itself do you have the right solution okay it's very hard to find a solution that's going to do a hundred percent everything you need outside of the box but do you have more things than not that are with our solution? Usually I would say, you know, with add-ons, stuff like that, 80, 90% probably pretty good. I mean, it could be core business one, maybe you're at 60% or something like that, but then you add in some add-ons, fills those gaps, and then all of a sudden you're at 90%. So that that that's kind of an acceptable range, I think, for most people. Now, the second ingredient, which I feel is most important, is the partner. OK, we in our uh, lingo, I guess you could say we call them bars. OK, it's the bar network, the value added reseller. And they're the people that will look, SAP doesn't want to sell to small businesses. It's way too expensive and you're just another fish in the pond for them. They want to sell to the Fortune 100 uh -huh. businesses and then they pawn off the small to mid-sized business deals to people like us, which is why we're number one globally doing what we do for SAP. But it's the same with almost every publisher, whether it's SAP, whether it's Microsoft, whether it's Oracle, whether it's Sage. Now, yes, Oracle and Sage do have some direct sales teams, but those roles are kind of getting more diminished mm -hmm. as the partner networks grow. And you need to make sure that you have the right partner, okay? Because it comes down to, if you do not have the right partner, you can have the right software and you're going to have a failed implementation because you're going to have a vanilla system that doesn't work for you. So you have to make sure, just as you're vetting the software, that your, your partner, your VAR, is also the right fit and the project team. I mean, don't be afraid to be like, who's going to be working on the project? Who's in charge of your professional services? Now, I will tell you, if they're like us, they'll probably give you a line that's truthful, which is, hey, you know, I can kind of give you some details on who we have working on our team, but I can't commit anybody to your project until you've signed contracts and you mm -hmm. paid for software, because otherwise then we allocate resources contracts get pushed out for three months and I have people sitting on the bench yeah. doing nothing, just costing me money because they're not billing on projects. 
So that's how most of our companies operate. And it's just, you know, operating lean. You want to make sure your people are as utilized as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But uh, they can give you like, hey, look, this is generally who we think should be available. But this is our director of professional services. Everybody on the team rolls up to her. And ultimately, every document, everything that is going to be presented to you gets reviewed by this person. Mm -hmm. And that's how we operate. You know, we like mm -hmm. to make sure that they have the warm and fuzzies, not yeah. just on software, but also on Vision 33 as a company and as a whole. And, you know, this journey can take anywhere from I've... I've closed deals in a little as six days, but yeah. uh, realistically, I mean, you're probably looking at 30 days mm -hmm. to, you know, six months. I mean, we've had sales cycles that go on for two, three years. Yeah, and that's yeah, always no, no, hard no, because that. then it's always like you do the reset button because yeah. so many people have changed over in the company that you just start redemoing again and yeah. all that other fun stuff. All right. Yeah. But I think it's also something that might sometimes be intimidating, you know, for companies to invest in. And it's, you know, you hear so many different things. So I think the point that I really feel here is to make sure that people know they will be taken care of past the contract mm -hmm. signed and also to really step up to that. Because that's right. my second, my next question from there. How much of your business is then referral-based business? Because I assume, you know, you have a certain product, maybe you're with you delivering mm -hmm. this service. What would you reckon? Well, it depends if they hate us or love us after they go live. Uh, <laughs> but I assume everyone just loves you. I mean. <laughs> you got to remember in the software world, if somebody tells you, oh yeah, all our projects, we never have any issues. They're lying. Yeah, Software is a beast. Now, I, I'll tell you a majority of our projects, like probably 90, 95% uh, do go on. They're on time, under budget, no problems. And that's because Vision 33 being as large as we are, number one in the world with SAP's small business uh, sector, we do have enough staff in mm. place that's able to monitor do the checks and balances and be like, yeah. no, 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 this is off track. This needs to go red escalation. We need executive meetings and we got to fix this, which is a little bit of a pain in the butt, you know, that we have those type of auditing people, but they're for safety checks. Okay. And that will prevent the projects, you know, going off because the biggest I, I would say the, the biggest competitor that we have is the no decision. And the no decision oftentimes comes out of fear, the fear of the investment, of the commitment, of making the money. And that's where my job as a general manager for the region you know, or even the director of professional services who rolls up to me. Okay. That's where her job also comes in to where we're there to give them the warm and fuzzies to make them feel good that yes, the sales rep, his job is to sell and move on. Melissa, my DPS, myself as the general manager, 
we're constant. You, uh, unfortunately, are going to be stuck with us forever, okay? And I've got to live with whatever this sales rep sells. So trust me when I say we're trying to make sure that he sells you right, that mm -hmm. once we go into Blueprint, the if we're saying that it's going to be 400 hours to implement now that it's not going to creep up to 1200 hours yeah okay maybe because you never know everything until you peel back all the layers of the onion and you do True. a full blueprint we try to do as good as we can during the scoping sessions but until we do the blueprint it's impossible to give an exact quote but we've done so many projects that are or of so many similar companies that our estimates are usually pretty right mm -hmm. on. So if we say that it's 400 hours, yes, we might end up doing the project in 360 hours, or maybe they forgot to tell us something that was mission critical and we had to do a change order and we end up doing it at 415. But usually, usually, like I said, usually, there's always an exception to the rule. Usually that number doesn't change from 400 hours to yeah. five, six, yeah. 700 hours. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, usually what will happen, I, I'd say 80, it's the 80, 20 rule. Okay. 80% of the time, if their quotes change from X amount of hours to 1.5 or two times it's because maybe they're i don't know maybe they're a winemaker let's just say and then they're like we're doing the implementation or the blueprint to to do, give them their finalized hours to do the actual implementation then like hey we actually we have a strawberry plant uh field over yeah, here and we want to okay? add we also, that we need this right we, we want to add you know we want that that that's included right and yeah. then we're like, <laughs> like no, no, no. no you're a <laughs> winemaker you never told us you had strawberries yeah so no i think that's that goes to that time. is usually what happens in 80 percent plus of the the times and Sometimes, yeah, a sales rep misses something that was said during a sales. Site. You got to remember, yeah. you're dealing with so many clients, so many details. You're very, they, you know, they have a lot of notes, a lot of recordings, but, you know, you can't implement a full system during a sales cycle. And a lot of customers forget that. They're asking for a tailorized, customized software solution. And then they're like, oh, uh, you're able to demo this during the sales cycle it's like no i i can do as good as we can but you're gonna have to use your imagination on some of these yeah. parts so looking at someone who might be who is a small business and small business is why there's also a difference between small business and small business but let's say we have a solopreneur who is you know taking yep. off they have their freelancers and they're interested in stepping it up and implementing, you know, taking a software like this to really help. Mm -hmm. How, and this is my last question, what would you suggest that they should implement as early as possible in order to prepare to mm -hmm. have an as amazing blueprint as possible, if, you know, to have done right, right, the, right, right. the prep work? Right. What do you see right. sometimes? In the States here, most people would start off with something like QuickBooks and from QuickBooks, then when QuickBooks doesn't work for them anymore, that's where 
then they end up looking like at Sage Intact or SAP Business One, you know, depending what type of businesses they do. A lot of solopreneurs probably would end up more in the Sage Intact space than in the SAP Business One. SAP Business One would be more for people that make or move products, okay? Whereas if you're looking just for straight financials, that's where Sage Intact is going to be the path they want to go down. But I will tell you, it is cheaper. I mean, each one of those prod products at the most basic form is going to cost you probably $20,000 to $25,000 US dollars to implement the basic solution. And then you have the software costing on top of that. And one user for both of them, I mean, it's like a hundred and something a, a, a month for one user. And, you, you know, so you have some options there. I will say that it is a lot cheaper to grow organically with a software solution mm -hmm. rather than get stuck in a corner because <laughs> you've waited so long, long and you've outgrown your solution yeah. and now you're stuck you're forced your business is a wreck you're losing money you have mad returns because you can't deliver your products or you're delivering the wrong products to the wrong people that's the situation that you need to avoid so once you get like, okay, I, I can do a basic implementation. And uh, if you make or move a product, put 25 to 50K in for that number for implementation cost. Okay. And then, you know, a couple hundred to maybe a thousand or two for software costs. Um, once you get to that level that you can spend that, invest it as early as possible. Earlier is better because all of these solutions are meant to grow with your business. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you implement something and then you're stuck with it forever. No, you can add more users. You can add more functionality. You can put on more nuts and bolts as your business grows. So earlier is better because then you can do it organically. And over time, it's going to give you a much lower cost of entry than if you wait until you can't put it off any longer yeah. that's where you're gonna end up spending three four hundred thousand dollars right yeah and you've done your mistakes right well this has been very enlightening also to see your process thank you for talking about <laughs> your coaching what you can prepare for the basically what you do and what you guys are working on right now this has been very very helpful and people don't forget to also check out David's podcast because it's very practical as well. And I have all your social media handles are on the show notes. So head over to christinemeansbusiness.com forward slash blog where you will find David's episode. You have the video there, you have the audio there, and you also have the notes and all the links that you can click. But if you are uh, only listening right now, then if you type in David Strausser, David, D-E-A-V-I-D, Strausser, S-T-R-A-U-S-S-E-R. -S -S -E you will find him on LinkedIn and on Facebook. And if you type in Shark Bite Biz, you will find him on Facebook and on YouTube. So make sure you do all of that. Reach out to him. Tell him that you found him through Christine Wynn's business. 
And also oh, ask definitely. him about what he's doing, if he can serve you in any way, and um, nothing to to fear. He's absolutely lovely. Yeah. So I think- will tell you, can I, I'll add in, if yes. I'm not the right fit for you or whatever you're looking for, I will tell you, and I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up with industry friends that'll put you in the right direction. Exactly. Thank you, Christine, for having me on your show. You rock, you are amazing, and you do mean business i do indeed thank you so much all you guys out there we will be back in two weeks time with another guest have a wonderful time and don't forget to subscribe to like etc etc and feel free to stalk me on social media until next time thank you david and bye bye everyone oh thank you christine Alright, and here is what I usually forget at the end of every episode. So first off, thank you so much for listening and taking the time to tune in. We really, really, really appreciate it. Now, don't forget that I've written a book with everything you need to know about growing and building a business online. It's called We Mean Business, the practical guide for creative entrepreneurs, coaches and small businesses to build your brand and grow your business online. You can find it on Amazon, but also in other online bookstores and on my website. Also, please make sure that if you want to stalk me, you follow me on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube or Twitter or Pinterest or TikTok. And if there was anything in this episode that you learned, that you found entertaining, that made you giggle, then I would be over the moon if you'd left us a five-star rating. These ratings go a long way for more people to tune in and make sure that you follow the podcast as well to share the love and to have more people find it. Thank you so much and we'll see you in two weeks time for a new episode.